So good morning and welcome to our bridge gathering. Uh, we're all gathering on Zoom today, Zoom exclusive. And those of us who live in the Abbotsford area are so very grateful to live on the traditional and unceded lands of the Stolo, Semiamu, and Kwatlin people. And thanks for joining in with our gathering this morning. No matter where you're joining us from, it could be from your couch or your bed, your favorite chair, in a car, at a bar. There are just so many options to join us comfortably these days. And if you're still asleep and you're listening to the podcast we post later, an extra special welcome and blessing on you for taking the extra effort to check in on this morning uh, after the fact. And we're going to move over to Sarah, who's going to lead us into our Lent focus. All right. Um, so, yeah, we are going to talk about Lent for just a minute. Um, and we're going to just finish up with Matisse. Today's Palm Sunday, and I'm not going to steal Lando's thunder, but uh, this is this is the last bit of Lent. It's the sixth Sunday of Lent, and it's also known as Palm Sunday. Before we get there, though, let's just round off the Matisse thing. And we'll talk about the, late, the later part of his life. Um, towards the end of his life, Matisse was restricted in many ways in his art making. He was forced to use a wheelchair or to be in bed. Um, but as he put it, cutting paper into fantastic, beautiful shapes was like painting with scissors. I had the kids doing that this morning. You can see a, a picture right here of them, uh, of what, what we made with them. Um, the same bright colours and joyful style he put into an even bigger scale. And uh, he included murals that covered entire walls. These cutouts turned out to be the last major chapter in his art making life. Um, and it was also the most creative and productive. There are many of his really well-known pictures that came from this period. He's a master of bringing together different layers of emotion and meaning. This is one of his paintings, it's called Icarus. And if you were looking at it, it could be seen as a vibrant picture of joy, like that, that shape is a sort of a joyful uh, celebration among the stars. But once you realize the title and Icarus, you can kind of get a different image of it. Is this his sunward flight? Um, is this the moment of disaster when his wings fell off and he fell to the earth? Um, Matisse once remarked that he also had in mind the horrors of war. This was painted in 1947. Um, so the horrors that created, sorry, in 1947. Um, and you can see in the center the, the shot in the heart, surrounded not by stars, but perhaps by exploding shells. And that changes the image from one that's joyful to one that is terrifying um, and it's the red of suffering to come this week's color is red be that joy or suffering there are reds that are joyful there are reds that are vibrant there are reds that are hopeful and as we approach holy week which is which is one of the world's reds like it is um as we as we look at the the horror of what comes on Good Friday. There is there is red in that, but there is also joy in what is coming on the Sunday. So uh, that is Matisse for today. So let's just pray. And then I'll hand it back to Eden and she can lead us in communion. So God of gladness and hope against hope, give us the strength to celebrate 
and the courage to look ahead with joyful celebration. Fill us with your spirit of trust so that we might believe in the good news of tomorrow, even as our eyes are open to the struggles of today. Hosanna, come save us. Hosanna in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Eden, back to you. So I'm going to lead you in communion. Hopefully you have your elements there. Holy Week is really interesting. Maybe, maybe the most interesting of the church calendar. And it has often been neglected by the evangelical church. Because um, we, we go from Palm Sunday, we tap on Good Friday, we ignore Holy Saturday, and we jump into Easter Sunday with the gusto of the Easter bunny. And uh, we... We miss out on a real a lot of stuff. There's some deep and very meaningful truths to be gleaned from this week. And as I reflected on this um, morning's communion time, I thought about how the disciples might have felt on Palm Sunday. I'd say there were some pretty high hopes and some grand designs uh, going on. But this week is all about the tension of what we hope for or imagine outcomes to be, and the way life has its way. And as I did some personal work this week, I had a picture, and I was sitting with my hands outstretched and my palms open, and my uh, something, while I was in that position, something came floating down on the breeze, and it, it landed in my hands. And my reflex was to close my hands and to try to hold on to it. But I heard Jesus's gentle voice say, it's not for you to hold or control. Just notice it while it rests on your palms. Come what may, hope against hope. So as we receive communion today, Let's receive it with this very posture. So on the night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus had a meal with his best friends. They were still full of hope that they were going to be part of a great revolution. And they were, but it wasn't how they imagined it. Instead of Jesus arming them to the teeth, readying them for the battle, he washed their feet and he served them bread and wine. He knew what was coming his way and he accepted it and tried to help his friends accept it too. Jesus laid down his life, hands open, hands off the wheel, and he invites us to join him in this posture by eating the bread and drinking the cup in remembrance of him. So let's pray. Jesus, you've shown us a way through life that is counter to our culture. Give us strength to let go of outcomes and to be at peace with what life offers. We accept the bread and the wine this morning as your presence with us. Give us grace and mercy as your gifts to us. Amen. Take and eat.
I sure don't want to rush you in um, in your considerations of communion, but I'm I am going to um, introduce our speaker today and pray for him and um, <clears throat> go that direction. So um, today we got the treat of having Lando Clausen talk to us, and you guys don't even know what a lovely man he is. And I don't wanna make him blush, he's already started. So um, I'm just gonna say, if you get an opportunity to have a conversation um, or to you know, stack some chairs with him, or um, if he comes to have a conversation, take the, take the gift that is coming to you and enjoy it. Uh, I have appreciated uh, his uh, reflections and his thoughts for me over time, and uh, I would I would wish nothing more than for you to have the same sort of experience. So let's pray, and then we'll hand it over to Lando. Jesus, thank you for Lando, and uh, for the way that he has. Um, made way for others throughout his life and for the way that he has made space for others throughout his life and for the way that he has encouraged others throughout his life. I pray a blessing on him today as he shares with us. And um, may we have ears to hear what we are to hear today. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Eden, for uh, giving me the opportunity to speak uh, and explore together uh, some Palm Sunday passages. A little about me. Grew up in this area, attended uh, Abbey Senior, and uh, I drove sawdust truck for a while for my dad. And in uh, at the age of 19, started selling books over in Mission. And I did that uh, for 48 years, kind of stuck in a rut. I uh, sold mostly Christian-type books and Bibles, you know, books by Bradley Jerzak and Eden Jerzak and so on, and uh, had a good time. 1976, a very lovely young lady named Kathy walked into my bookstore, which was in Mission at the time, and I guess I gave her exceptional service because she kept coming back for more. We started hanging out in January 77, and we got married 44 months later. Uh, why wait too long? Uh, over the years, our four kids have produced 12 grandchildren. They're between the ages of three and 19, and uh, Christmas is quite a whirlwind at our place. <clears throat> we have recently moved out to the Claiborne area and enjoying the sunsets here. It's a marvelous spot. We've been part of the Bridge community for 11 or 12 years. I love people. I love stories. I love history. I love live music, and I love a party. And we're going to touch on all of these things today. Can you believe it? Uh, hopefully you'll find our time together enjoyable and interesting and maybe even helpful. You're welcome to interact in the chat too. I'm not going to read it, but uh, maybe I'll read it at the end. And then, of course, at the end, you're welcome to uh, speak up and share a little bit. So the talk today could be called The Parade Breaks Out on the Way to Jerusalem, How to Steal a Donkey, or as a passage is usually titled, is The Triumphant Entry. When you read a Bible story, how do you look at it? Uh, do you read it and then go, okay, well, that was something. Uh, that was then, this is now. Or 
or do you try to identify with someone in the story and postulate how you would have acted if you were there? Let's read this one, and then we'll explore it a bit. Uh, it's written four times, and usually the case when you, a story is told four times, there's it's going to come across differently. Certain details will be added, certain ones are left out, and the timing will be different. So I'll try to... Uh, bring out the different accounts as we put this together. We'll look at the main story first, and then I want to look at some things that happened before and after, and that may illuminate what's going on. So, uh, Matthew 21, as they approached Jerusalem, came to Bethpage on Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead, and once you find a donkey tied there with her colt, untie them, bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus answered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, that's the basic story from Matthew. We're not going to read all the other accounts. You can do that. Then Matthew says that Jesus went to the temple and caused some ruckus. However, Mark adds that Jesus went to Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around. Since it was already late, he went back to Bethany with the 12 for night. And the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He saw a fig tree and went to see if it had fruit and found none because it was not the season for figs. So Jesus said, May no one ever eat from you again. I sense a little frustration. And after that, he went to the temple where they were buying and selling. And was, uh, 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 where buying and selling was going on and Jesus overturned the tables. Okay, let's go back. Let's look at what happened before this triumphal entry. About six days before Jesus and his friends were hanging out at Lazarus' place with Mary and Martha. Remember last week, at church, Myrna covered this story very well. Get Watch the video. It's, it's really excellent. So there was a large crowd to see Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. In John, it says that the chief priests were actually preparing to kill Lazarus. It was because Lazarus, that a lot of people were following Jesus. There was competition. After this, they were walking to Jerusalem. And they took a little break. And... Most interesting encounter with a mom and her sons. She asked for a favor. Grant that one of my sons can sit on your right and the other on the left in your kingdom. This is one bold lady. She says, you don't know what you're asking. Or Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup? I'm going to drink. They said, we can. Now, when the others heard, the other 10 heard, they were angry, irate, indignant. Can you imagine this? The disciples were... were pretty much the same. They were uh, kind of a gang. Some had joined up earlier, some had come later. But I, I always think the disciples thought of themselves as equals. And now two of them wanted special treatment. Or 
Was it just their mother that wanted that? We don't know. Anyways, it was very upsetting. Some teachable moment. Moments came from the interactions of Jesus and the disciples. And this is a big one that ties in later uh, with the triumphal entry. Whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Think about that, a servant leader. Then they left Jer Jericho. It's about eight miles from Jerusalem. I'm going back and forth in time here uh, with a large crowd following. They were there for the Passover celebration, which was about to happen. And they came upon two blind men begging for mercy. The crowd rebuked them, get away. But they shouted louder, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped. What do you want me to do for you? We want our sight. Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And they received their sight and followed him. Then they approached Jerusalem. The day of this triumphal entry is the same day on the Jewish calendar that in preparation for the Passover, each family was to choose a, a one-year-old lamb without blemish and look after it for five days in their house, kind of like a pet. And then it was slaughtered and its blood was put on the doorposts. And on the very first Passover, those who had put blood on the doorposts would be saved from death coming to their home. So now it's 1,500 years, or almost 1,500 years after the Passover that Jesus enters. Jesus Christ is now the Passover lamb. I'm thankful to a lady named Karen Engel of Bellingham, who wrote an article uh, called uh, Sun Palm Sunday and the Passover for some of these details. Okay. Oh, I forgot to mention something. Usually when I use the word okay, it means I'm transitioning to something else. Or... I've heard enough from you, and it's my turn to speak. Anyway, okay, all right, are you ready? Here comes the parade. Uh, think about a parade you've been to recently. Maybe it went like this. Some kind of band at the front. In Abbotsford, you'd have the mayor and other city leaders and, and the federal MP, Ed Fast, some of you know him, or the provincial MLA, Mike Dion. For those of you out of town, you have to meet these characters sometime. They're, they're pretty cool guys. Uh, at least I think so. Anyway, uh, they, they're in some kind of fancy car provided by a local car dealer or a vintage auto from 1935. And there are all kinds of floats with service clubs, businesses, and sometimes churches trying to promote their cause. Lavishly built floats on a trailer of some kind and pulled by a polished up uh, tractor, a polished up truck. Maybe then you have some 4-H uh, club on the horses and uh, or a professional equestrian center providing professional horses, professional riders. It's all very colorful and lively. The sights and sounds of the parade. But I've never seen a religious leader from the community riding on a donkey, have you? This parade was different. Just one entry, Jesus Christ on a donkey. And remember that verse earlier, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. Jesus on a donkey speaks to me of servanthood. He did not come on a donkey that was usually used as a pack animal or a cart puller. But before the procession started, there is the planning of the event. Just a short little plan. Jesus asked two of his friends to get the donkey from the village. 
actually without asking the owners first. And Jesus said, if anyone asks, say the Lord has need of it. In Luke's story, the owner did ask why you're taking my animal. Have you ever thought about who the disciples were that asked to get the donkey? Quite sure it was not the sons of Zebedee, whose mother was trying to sneak them into the highest position. I think it might have been Nathaniel and maybe Judas, in case the donkey owner wanted a deposit on the donkey rental. I think maybe the sons of Zebedee were asked to be the poop scoopers. You know, a parade always needs poop scoopers to clean up after the animals while they are marching. It's fun to imagine stuff like this. So the parade begins and the crowd seems to know what they're doing. Spreading the coats on the ground and waving branches. Oh, I got some branches. There's probably this kind right here. Uh, or willow. Like this. They went like this. I know they went like this. Maybe like this. They were hitting each other. Or these heavy duty one right here. This is going to represent, whoops, this is going to represent the palm. You know, people are going to get hit in the head. It's, it's kind of, it's a crazy, crazy situation. Now I got I got uh, palm dust all over the place. Anyways, it was a loud occasion. It was a celebration. And you know what happened next? The local youth garage band. No, not the garage band, because they didn't have uh, garage bands back there. It was the local uh, rooftop band. You know, Steve Mitchinson, he's a band. He, he can, he's in a band. He knows about this kind of thing. Anyway, uh, uh, they were told to get out there quickly, make up a song about Hosanna in the highest. Come on, band, stay in the court of G for Hosanna and switch to C on the, on, on the word highest and just play loud. Repeat it over and over. It's like Steve band. Steve's band, you know, they repeat stuff over and over. Rocking in the free world, stuff like that. Well, here they were singing in the highest. Liars and sultry. Sultry has 12 strings, just like my 12 string does as well as their cymbals, hand drums, tambourines. It was loud. It was great. It was a party with live music and branches. Hosanna is from the biblical Hebrew phrase meaning pray, save us. A cry for salvation, a cry of thanks. The Israelites were longing for release from the oppression of the Romans. They could see Jesus marching to Jerusalem, not exactly in the way they'd hoped, maybe, but he was going there and they wanted, and they shouted Hosanna. If they had read and remembered the Old Testament passages, they would have known. This was actually mentioned earlier in Zechariah and referred to in Psalm 18. I love how the Old Testament and the New Testament often connect together in the different sections. Uh, Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. And then it says, I will take away the chariots of Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I don't remember reading that last part before, but Jesus really was the peacemaker. Psalm 118.25 says, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. With bows in hand, with bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. So the parade goes on about 30, 40 minutes, because it's 900 meters from Bethphage to Jerusalem, and donkeys walk slow. 
and people will be getting in the way with their branches and their coats. I don't, I don't know for sure, just estimating here. In business, I was pretty good at estimating things. At, wife, at, at, at home, my wife will say I'm not too accurate because I'll try and tell her how long it will take for me to get a project done or how long it will take me to get somewhere. I'm often late. She just loves that, just loves that. But in this case, I'm pretty close. 30 to 40 minutes, well, maybe an hour. Uh, then when he enters Jerusalem, the city is in a commotion. One translation says it was shaken and one says it was stirred. Does that sound familiar? And the religious leaders ask, who is this? They did not know, but the crowds knew. I just love that. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The story in Luke really expands the scene. I'll just read a bit. As he drew near to the path, descending from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice on account of all the deeds of power they had seen. Saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest places. As some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, teacher, admonish your disciples. And in answer, he said, I tell you, if they should fall silent, the stones would cry out. And when the procession is over, he takes a break and the next day heads to the temple. Or some guys say it, he headed right in there. He sees the injustice of the buyers and sellers throwing the tables over. Can you imagine that scene? The same Jesus who was humbly riding on the donkey now causing quite a disturbance in the temple. The temple was supposed to be open and welcoming to everyone. However, the poor were being exploited. Most people carried the Roman currency and and that had to be changed to Jewish currency. And the money changers would use unfair exchange rates. And then the prices of doves, doves were probably raised during this feast, making it very difficult for the poor. Have you heard of this before? Religious organizations and churches being controlled and dictated to by the financial people. It often does not go well. I won't go down that path, but I see some similarities. Jesus was stirring things up, had to do with money and injustice. Money versus prayer. Money versus justice. Okay, a few things that I'm getting from this story. Jesus' life was filled with huge emotional swings. Some days and seasons were filled with celebration and joy, and some were filled with, and maybe even, uh, some were stress-filled, and maybe even in the same day, it switched back and forth. Just before the triumphal entry, he had to share some tough news with his friends that he was going to be crucified. Then he had to settle down the irate, angry disciples. Then he had to deal with the noise of the crowd trying to drown out the blind men and calm them down, and he healed them. And after that came the celebration, the parade, and the emotion of sadness. When he saw the city, he wept over it, and then right back into the temple. He had to be a mediator with the disciples. He had to be a good listener. He was compassionate, and he was joyful. I think he was laughing in the, at the parade. I'm sure he was smiling and laughing, and his feet may have been almost touching the ground. Maybe at times they were. He helped the donkey along a little bit. Depends how tall it was. Uh, probably getting, he was probably getting hit in the face with the flags. Not the flags, but the branches. You know, you ever been to these churches that have the flag wavers and all that? We used to do that at the bridge years ago. And I, I imagine people got hit in the face sometimes with flags. I'm sure these palm branches or cedars or whatever, willow branches hit some people. It was quite funny. I was joking. I'm sure not too many people got too, too hurt. but. Uh, 
he was a good sport about it because he knew it had been prophesied earlier. In our lives, we experience many swings. Uh, maybe a grandchild's birth. We've learned a new skill. A fun birthday party. Graduating with honors. Receiving a large inheritance. Or going to a favorite concert like James Taylor, U2, or Taylor Swift, Shania Twain. You know, your favorite. And then could be a death of a loved one. Chronic illness. Family friction. Loss of employment. Misunderstandings. Your favorite Raptors basketball team loses again. The ebb and flow of life, ups and downs. How do we handle them? How do we cope? How did Jesus cope? How do you handle them? I tend to try to get through the hard stuff as fast as possible so I can be happy, relaxed, have a party, and have some stress-free fun. That's just, but I think I need to relax in that stress. Is it even possible for me? Living our lives fully experiencing the ups and downs and not moving through them too quickly. Just because things go wrong in life does not mean we are no good. We are good. We are loved. We are valued. We are cared for. We are held in God's arms. Whether we, in the jo- we, whether we are in the joyful moments of a parade, having a wonderful meal with friends, or trying to get through times of uneasy family friction or religious disagreements with church leaders or struggling health issues. Okay. And another takeaway for me is Jesus' way is the opposite of the world's way. The parade was just one entry coming on a donkey, not a majestic steed or war horse. But the people recognized him as their savior. They had seen his previous encounters with their friends and neighbors. He had been kind to their children. He had interacted wisely with learned leaders who tried to stump him. He had healed many sick and he had told many stories and parables, teaching the ways of the new kingdom of God. So this large crowd that was following seemed to know what to do. Even though they had not expected his entry into Jerusalem to be on a donkey. Are there examples in your life, in your place of business, in your school, in your church, in your town, where the opposite of the regular way is what worked? Where were you totally surprised at how things worked out? The gentle servanthood style actually helped things change when you thought it would take more than that. You know how the world loves to show off and tell everyone how good they are, what they have done? Government is good at this. They spout off how they have given millions towards helping the poor, building schools, major roadways, or giving to a war-torn country. Shout it out. Spend millions on TV ads telling the good news that they have done. I don't think that's the Jesus way. Maybe we could keep quiet and humble and maybe others will notice and they will make it public. Maybe not. As with Jesus, he came in riding on a young donkey, but the crowds recognized him and shouted. What about the move into the temple and the overturning of the tables? Do we ever have to do that? Oh, I don't like conflict. but. Sometimes it might be necessary. And then the emotion of sadness. After the parade, when he saw the city, he wept over it. This is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is coming as our servant king on a donkey on his way to the cross only six days later. And as we move from today, the triumphal entry through this next week, Holy Week, and approach and approach his death and resurrection. Let this surprising, astounding, 
an incredible story impact us. Thanks for listening. Okay, and it's your turn. Thank you. Thank you, Lando. <clears throat> um, nicely done. Thanks. I love the animation <laughs> and the props. Awesome. Right yeah. Right Remember that? <laughs> the only thing that would have been better is if you had Kathy waving them behind you. <laughs> I thought of asking her, but uh, <laughs> I didn't think I could. <laughs> Let me leave you with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. I Amen. hope you guys have a terrific week. We'll see you in church every day. And um, we'll see you again next Sunday. And don't take any of that as permission to steal donkeys. That's still <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, just covering our backs, just making sure everybody knows, no donkey stealing. <laughs> All right. Bless you. See you next time. Bye. Blessings. <laughs>